This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America. Brought to you in cooperation with American University's School of Communication in Washington, D.C. and Link TV. And now here's host, Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week with a new Congress in Washington and a new legislative agenda, we have U.S. immigration policy in mind once again. We'll devote most of this program to that issue. But first, Kurt Devine is here with our weekly review of news from around Latin America. Mexico's Supreme Court ruled to release a French woman who spent seven years in a Mexico City prison on kidnapping charges. A Mexican court found Florence Casas guilty of aiding her Mexican boyfriend in running a gang of kidnappers, but flaws in her 2005 trial led the court to overturn her conviction. The French foreign minister and European media welcomed Casas as a hero when she arrived in Paris this week, but anti-crime activists in Mexico still decry her as a killer. Popular social activist Isabel Miranda de Wallace protested the court's ruling. No hay justicia. Lo que hay es poder... There is no justice. This is about power. This is money being used to buy influence in the media. This caused the kidnapper to be seen as the innocent one. Mexican authorities found that police staged Casas's 2005 arrest for TV cameras and tampered with the evidence presented in her original court case. Contamination of a major river in Chile left about 2 million people in the capital city of Santiago without drinking water this week. Heavy rains and warm weather in the Andes caused debris and muddy water to flood the river Maipo, which forced water processing plants to close. The water shortage temporarily shut down restaurants, offices, and playgrounds, but these services reopened about a day later when the water processing resumed. A recent scientific study shows that glaciers in the tropical Andes have shrunk by about 30 to 50 percent since the 1970s. Researchers attribute the changes to a temperature increase of about 1.2 degrees Fahrenheit and say the melting could cause future water shortages in South America. The Costa Rican government declared a state of emergency to fight the spread of a coffee fungus that has already ravaged crops throughout Central America. Vice President Luis Liberman signed a bill to pay for about $4 million of fungicides to combat the roya, or leaf rust. The outbreak could destroy about 12% of Costa Rica's planted coffee and cause farmers to lose up to $15 million in the next two years. The fungus has also plagued about 50% of coffee crops in El Salvador and 40% in Guatemala. Peace talks between the Colombian government and the left-wing FARC rebel group accelerated this week toward common ground. A FARC spokesman said the negotiations moved in the rhythm of mambo, meaning both parties have begun to compromise on land reform. A negotiator for the Colombian government said there are still disagreements, but progress has been made. The FARC rebels continue to demand the government give 62 million acres of land to the country's poor. The peace talks will continue in Havana, Cuba next week. A newspaper in Spain apologized for publishing a fake photograph of Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez on its front page. The picture shows a bedridden man with tubes in his mouth under the headline, The Secret of Chavez's Illness. The paper, El País, acquired the photograph from an independent news agency without verifying its authenticity. Editors later removed the picture from the paper's website and collected printed copies from newsstands. Chavez has not appeared publicly since undergoing cancer surgery in Cuba last month, but the Venezuelan government recently released a new series of slogans and emotional images depicting the president as a strong and heroic leader. 
A high-speed fiber optic cable in Cuba showed signs of activity this week, which could allow Cubans to efficiently access the internet for the first time. The Venezuelan government financed the construction of the undersea cable in 2010, but it mysteriously remained inactive until now. Most Cubans currently rely on slow and expensive satellite connections to get online, but the cable would offer download speeds about 3,000 times faster. Experts say the cable contributes to the recent increase of freedom in Cuba, adding that it first showed signs of activity the same day that the government overturned rules on travel visas. For Latin Pulse, I'm Kurt Devine. Thanks, Kurt. This week, President Barack Obama signaled in his inaugural address that immigration reform will be one of the cornerstones of his second term. With the U.S. Congress set to debate this issue, some politicians, especially Republicans, are rethinking their hardline positions of the past. We may even see a renewed interest in what has been called the DREAM Act, legislation that gives those who cross the borders illegally as young children a path to citizenship. Such ideas have been around for at least a dozen years, with Republicans even rebranding that idea with a new name last fall. Colin Campbell has this in-depth report on where the immigration debate might be headed. He begins with the views of former Senator Kay Bailey Hutchinson of Texas. We know that there are children in our country who have been brought here uh, illegally by their parents, and we think the the best step that we can take to address a an issue that is very timely is to give a legal status uh, that would be earned. That is former Republican Senator of Texas, Kay Bailey Hutchinson, speaking at a press conference last November announcing her ACHIEVE Act, a Republican-sponsored bill that would provide a pathway to legal residency for the children of undocumented immigrants who were brought to the U.S. illegally as minors. The policies on immigration outlined in the ACHIEVE Act are a stark departure from the immigration policies pushed by Republicans during last year's presidential campaign. Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney staked out an aggressive stance on immigration during the Republican primaries. Here he is speaking about the issue at a primary debate from a year ago. The answer is self-deportation, which is people decide that they can do better by going home because they can't find work here because they don't have legal documentation to allow them to work here. Romney's immigration position proved perilous on election day. President Barack Obama hauled in 71% of the Hispanic vote, and Romney nabbed just 27%. Only eight years earlier, there was a mere nine-point spread in the Hispanic vote between the two presidential candidates. Hispanics fleeing the party is not the only thing that has Republicans worried. As Hispanic support for Democrats balloons, the group's electoral influence is growing too. In the past three presidential contests, Hispanic's share of the total vote has increased 1% each election. This past time around, Hispanics accounted for 10% of the total electorate. To sum up all those numbers and put it in simpler terms, Republicans are in a real tough spot coming out of last year's election. And if the voting trends continue, the party is at risk of losing large swaths of Hispanic voters for the foreseeable future. But the threat of losing this growing block of voters has Republicans in Washington reassessing their rhetoric and softening their policies on immigration. President Obama has made clear that the new Congress will take up immigration reform early this year. My expectation is is that we get a bill uh, introduced and we begin the process uh, in Congress very soon after my inauguration. Michael Shifter, president of the Inter-American Dialogue, 
says many in the Republican Party view the upcoming immigration debate as an opportunity to make amends with the Hispanic community. After the election, there seems to be a lot of people in the Republican Party who uh, who, who are making the same uh, making the same argument and are saying that uh, they really have to have a radical shift. And those who have a more open-minded, progressive view about immigration uh, have to assert themselves, and I think they will. But what remains to be seen is if the immigration policies that Republicans propose are far-reaching enough to actually pull Hispanics back to their party. Washington Times political editor Stephen Dynan breaks down the politics of how far Republicans are willing to go, or not go, on immigration reform. There are a number of folks in the Republican Party who, uh, who still believe that there's no reason to, uh, to even try and engage in a bidding war with Democrats. As they say, you know, this was back when Ted Kennedy was the leader of the Democrats on this issue, and a number of Republicans had this phrase, we'll never be able to outbid Ted Kennedy for Hispanic voters' allegiance on immigration. Uh, and there are a number of, of Republicans who still believe that phrase and, and so don't even want to get into a bidding war. Even if the Republicans don't agree to comprehensive immigration reform, however, they could still get political points for appearing as if they tried to broker a deal with the Democrats. Again, Dinan. It's possible that if Hispanic voters see Republicans making a good faith effort here and actually coming to the table and negotiating, then that gets them, that gets them essentially some, some, some moral authority points. Republicans aren't the only ones navigating the rough waters of this debate. President Obama and congressional Democrats are facing pressures as well. There's very much a sense on, on behalf of uh, uh, immigrant rights advocates that they delivered a lot of votes for, uh, for the president and his party. And as one of them put it, you know, it's time to cash our check. One group that will be holding President Obama and the Democrats accountable during this new Congress is United We Dream, a network representing the largest number of young immigrants who are in the country illegally. These young immigrants have claimed the title of Dreamers. And this past election season, Dreamers inserted themselves into the campaign and made their presence known. Dreamers organized phone banks and led door-knocking initiatives in cities and towns across the country. With campaign season over, Dreamers are ready to see the Democrats they fought hard to elect reward them for their efforts and deliver on campaign promises. But even as Dreamers put pressure on Democrats, they're still making it clear that they are not in the Democrats' pocket. Here is Carlos Amador, co-chair of the United We Dream board. It's important to, to note um, that the United We Dream Network and, and immigrant youth overall are not married to the Democratic Party, right? And so we want to make sure that we're not, uh, you know, that, that everybody understands that we're not going to be uh, marrying the Democratic Party and that we're going to be holding them accountable. And that's what we did to President Obama, right? We told him that uh, we were not going to leave him alone unless he uh, stopped the deportations of undocumented youth. Amador says United We Dream and the young immigrant community are more than willing to work with Republicans. And he makes the pitch that joining the fight would be politically advantageous. My message to the Republicans is that uh, this is the time to collaborate, to really open their, their arms and embrace the immigrant community, right? And I think if uh, we see them in the next year, uh, for them embracing this issue as well, you know, and, uh, and welcoming the, the rest of the immigrant community, they won't be seen as an alienating par, uh, party, and I think Latinos will realize that, you know, Republicans are not against them, you know, and then we'll, realize, we'll uh, acknowledge that, and that could open opportunities also for the Republican Party to, to, uh, to increase their membership. In a city where politicians rarely act unless it's politically prudent, that could be the Dreamers' strongest selling point as the politicians of this Congress come to the table to forge an agreement on a comprehensive immigration bill.
Reporting for Latin Pulse, I'm Colin Campbell. Coming up, we'll hear from another expert about the immigration debate and just what we can expect to see in the coming months. Stay with us. Democracy is synonymous with independence. Independence is synonymous with emancipation. Emancipation is synonymous with sovereignty. Sovereignty is synonymous with superiority. Superiority is synonymous with arrogance. Arrogance is synonymous with domination. And domination is synonymous with dictatorship. Dictatorship always finds its way. Amnesty International. Learn. Indignate. Act. Welcome back to Latin Pulse. Last fall, Professor Alan Kraut, an expert on immigration, came on this program and was one of the few pundits to note before Election Day that Latinos and the immigration issue would decide the presidential election. Of course, looking back, most experts now know Latinos and their views on immigration swung the election for President Obama. So we wanted to hear the latest from Professor Kraut again as these subjects take center stage. Here are excerpts from our conversation of earlier this week. I think that uh, President Obama is very serious about making immigration a priority. And I think he's likely to get uh, more and more effective cooperation from Republicans uh, because of the outcome of the election, because Latinos played such a significant role in a variety of states. About three or four weeks before Christmas, Kay Bailey Hutchinson of Texas and John Kyle of Arizona introduced uh, a notion called the Achieve Act, uh, a little bit of an echo of the Dream Act, in which they they talked about uh, a plan they have to bring immigrants who are undocumented but were brought as very young children uh, or young children uh, below the age of 14 into some sort of legal status. The difference between what the Democrats are talking about and what the Republicans are talking about is that the Republicans don't want to guarantee a path to citizenship, whereas Democrats believe not only in a green card, but also in a path ultimately to citizenship. And so there are differences uh, between the two parties. But uh, the fact that the Republicans are talking or some Republicans are talking in these terms uh, is very encouraging. Uh, it means that as in the past uh, with John McCain, there are Republicans who want to take a reasonable and compassionate approach to immigration policy reform. In addition to all of that, the data uh, that uh, was compiled and presented by the Migration Policy Institute several weeks ago suggests that the Obama administration has been second to none in terms of border enforcement. And so often, the Republicans have argued against immigration policy by saying, first, we have to secure our borders. Well, in fact, uh, the Obama administration has spent $18 billion on immigration enforcement just in 2012. And that's 24% more than all federal enforcement agencies combined, just on border enforcement. Moreover, if you look at fiscal 2012, there were 409,849 removals, uh, more people than in any other year in recent memory. And President Obama is responsible for more expulsions of undocumented workers than any other American president. Isn't that right? That's right. 
And so, in a sense, the, the box with regard to enforcement has been checked. Uh, I think very few people could argue that the Obama administration has not put an emphasis on enforcement. And in fact, there are many Latino groups um, who have argued that it's been too much of an emphasis on enforcement. Well, now everybody now is ready for it to go the other way. And they, the other way is to consider the larger issue, the larger context of uh, immigration policy reform. Having said that, Probably one of the most uh, unpopular terms in Washington these days is the term amnesty. Uh, One of the more popular with some members on both sides of the aisle, in fact, is the word punishment. And what I mean by that is that uh, many members of Congress and uh, some in the Senate uh, really think that there has to be a penalty applied to those who broke America's laws and crossed our borders in an unauthorized fashion, who were undocumented. Of course, what the nature of that punishment would be uh, is open to to debate, open to issue. I myself believe that uh, a rational approach, if in fact there has to be some sort of punishment exacted, uh, would be more in the form of community service. Uh, judges often uh, administer community service sentences to those who have broken the laws but have been nonviolent offenders and sometimes first offenders and so on, X number of uh, hundreds of hours of community service. In the case of immigrants, community service would have uh, two virtues. One is that uh, it would bring immigrants closer to their community, not push them away, Uh, It would not require large expenditures of money, uh, as a trip home would, and uh, it would not separate them from their families. And in addition to that, there's the added plus that communities could certainly use many of the services that immigrants could provide. And this could go up and down uh, the uh, professional range. Uh, Undocumented physicians could spend some time seeing patients in clinic. Uh, as a community service. Those in the building trades who have those skills could help uh, construct homes in some communities, uh, the sort of thing that Jimmy Carter's group does. Um, moreover, there's always the possibility of repairing playgrounds and other uh, aspects of community life, uh, which would be very valuable and which, uh, as I said before, would bring the immigrant closer to the community, closer to their new neighbors, rather than single them out, push them away, and stigmatize them. I'd like to go back to the ACHIEVE Act that we talked about early in this particular discussion. And Kay Bailey Hutchinson is no longer in the Senate. Right. We have a new Congress. Um, some would argue that this was a stopgap measure as a PR measure after the losing election to say Republicans can also deal with this particular issue too. But are we going to see a return in some way of the Achieve Act or something like it in this new Congress? I certainly hope so. I mean, there's there's no way to predict uh, for sure. But uh, as a historian, as a professional historian, I like to think that people learn lessons from the past. And if there's any truth to that at all, the Republicans really should learn a lesson from what happened to them in this election 
uh, and where the immigrant vote went and where the Latino influence and votes are being cast uh, and not turn away from that initiative, but rather embrace it, improve it, negotiate on it. Um, I think it's in their best interest as a party and in terms of individual candidates to do that, uh, to turn away from a hard, rigid, uh, anti-immigration, punishment-oriented position. As a historian, you've written multiple books on immigration, and that certainly is your specialty area, which informs you as also an expert on the present, not just on the past. And so in using those lessons from history going forward, what are we likely to see from policies that that might have been proposed in the past, in the recent past, that might now come onto the table in this in this new Congress? Are we going to see a DREAM Act that, that actually gets passed? I think we'll see some version of the DREAM Act that, that gets passed. I think there seems to be a consensus right now that penalizing people who were children when they were brought by their parents is uh, inherently uh, unjust, unfair, and there'll be some compromise along those lines. I also think that there's going to be uh, a lot of talk about a commission uh, that would regulate immigration flow, legal immigration flow, uh, responding to the ebb and flow of the American economy and take a look at which skills uh, the United States requires, what we need, and adjust immigration uh, entry levels accordingly. It struck me that when uh, Mr. Romney was debating Mr. Obama, one of the things that Romney uh, talked about, not in the debates but in other venues, was the fact that every foreign-born graduate in the sciences, in technology, ought to be given a green card along with a diploma upon graduation because the United States needs Uh, people with uh, high-tech skills, needs engineers, needs scientists. And we're not producing enough among our own graduates, and and so keeping these talented young people here would be very, very advantageous. Uh, The fact that he said that, and that many Republicans uh, who are in the world of business know the needs that this country has for people with high levels of skill, is a very encouraging sign to me. Uh, It means they understand the reality of what immigrants contribute to the American economy. And that was true in immigration debates in the past. And I think uh, I see it looming in the current uh, forthcoming immigration debate. So we're likely to see something like a DREAM Act or an ACHIEVE Act that deals with children of undocumented workers who have come and who have been here for a long period of time. Are are we likely to see something that also encourages more immigration flows for professionals, for managers, which have tended to be where a lot of Latinos and others coming from Latin America have been in the managerial class recently, not just um, workers who who are coming for minimum wage jobs? Yeah, the name of the game is incentives. And the greatest incentive you can have to come to another country is opportunity, freedom, uh, and economic opportunity. And I think that's what we're going to see is, is the effort to try and bring into the United States in a regulated uh, but nevertheless regular basis those who have the managerial skills, the capital, the human capital uh, to benefit our economy. 
I mean, it's very striking to me. I've been in Louisiana recently uh, that so many of the homes that were destroyed by Katrina were rebuilt with undocumented construction labor that had come across the border. Clearly, there's a need for skilled labor at all levels in our economy to jumpstart our economy and move it forward. It's labor that would create more jobs, not take away jobs, but create more jobs and create more opportunities, just as they're creating new housing uh, in the lands that, that were devastated by Katrina. The term that is used is comprehensive immigration reform. You've talked about this commission. We've talked about several potential acts that Congress may pass. The truth is we're not going to really see this in one single piece of legislation likely. There's going to be many parts, or if there is a large piece of legislation, it's going to be very wide. Any thoughts about what we're going to see in that regard? Uh, I think there's a great deal of sentiment, uh, especially within the Obama administration, for a comprehensive package that could be debated and compromised on and discussed. Whether or not such a package, such a comprehensive bill, could actually make its way through this Congress, uh, given um, the difficulties of getting legislation through this Congress, is for me highly problematical. I think an incremental approach, uh, seeing where the lines of agreement are, breaking this down uh, into pieces and trying to get the pieces passed through the Congress is probably a much, much wiser way to go. And at the end of the day, we'll have meaningful immigration reform. It might not all be in one big bill. Uh, it might be in a lot of little bills and tacked on to a lot of other bills and so on. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, the important thing is that uh, a year from now, two years from now, we can look back and say, uh, yes, the United States got its house in order with respect to immigration. It is a country that was built by immigrants, a nation of nations. Uh, and uh, in, in line with that, we've uh, reformed our policies, we've made changes, we've rationalized our system, and we still welcome those who come seeking freedom and seeking opportunity. Great sentiments. But we also know that there are those going to say no. We started off by saying that the Republicans are willing to deal and do recognize that there are differences than there were in October of last year. But where do you see their bottom line being? Where is the wall that we're not going to be able to cross with the Republicans, most likely in the House of Representatives? Uh, I think the issue of... Uh legalization of the status of those who are already here uh, is the big stumbling block for them. So we have about we, 10, 12 million people yeah. in this country to deal with who are undocumented. That's right. Uh, latest count that I know of, it was a little over 9 million people uh, out of 38 million foreign born who are in an undocumented status. You can correct me on the history here, but aren't we looking at the last time that there was an attempt, a comprehensive attempt to regularize those who are here in the country undocumented goes back to the Reagan administration. And Reagan was a Republican who was willing to deal on this issue. Yes. The, the last major 
uh, reform of the system was, of course, 1986. The Immigration uh, Reform and Control Act, or IRCA for short. And in IRCA, the emphasis was on trying to curb undocumented immigration by going after those who employed and economically benefited from the presence of undocumented workers in the United States. Uh, IRCA had, uh, to put it mildly, very mixed success, uh, largely because it's very hard politically to justify going after entrepreneurs, the small business guy who doesn't check uh, the credentials of those whom uh, he or she is hiring or who perhaps even intentionally hires those who will work for rock-bottom wages and have come into the country in an undocumented fashion. And so IRCA was never properly um, enforced in a consistent kind of way uh, and by and large uh, didn't do the job. Alan Kraut, our guest today on Latin Pulse, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Rick. Latin Pulse is available on the web and via iTunes. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, .org, and then forward slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org, forward slash Latin Pulse. If you'd like to react to any portion of this program, you may write us. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. Or you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud or on Facebook. Thanks for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. For our entire team, associate producer Kurt Devine, announcer Victor Kilo, and writer Colin Campbell, I'm Rick Rockwell. Escucha nosotros vez. Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced in Washington, D.C. at American University's School of Communication and with the support of Link TV. Theme music provided by Link TV and additional music from Canary Productions and Bath Time Music Publishing. This program is copyright 2013, Las Rocas Productions. <laughs>